Alrighty. Sounds on. We're rolling. Um, quickly before we get into this, this is uh, honestly, um, it's been a little while since my last uh, recording. Had some uh, some things to do. You know, life life catches up with us all. So um, we're back though. Back better than ever. Expanding on uh, Instagram and TikTok. So you guys can uh, look there for our first post, which should be later today. As the time of recording this today, join us is Bennett. Hey there. Um, and I'm excited for this one, man. You know, I'm excited for this one because um, obviously you got a Duke. Congratulations. Thank you very much. With my brother, um, I couldn't be happier. This is like premium uh, conditions. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think we're both pretty pleased about it too. I think it's going to work out well. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I've asked a lot of the seniors that I've had on this podcast about their, uh, you know, college experience, senior year experience, because it's unique to everybody. Um, so you want to walk me through that? Type of thing? Yeah, if you don't mind asking me, or sorry, if you don't mind me asking, who all have you had on so far? Uh, I had Michael Nicholson. Mm, big Mike. Uh, Kyle Hawkins, William Stevenson. Oh, I love that guy. Harrison Mayer. Uh, my brother, obviously. Yes. And... I think that's the complete list of seniors so far. Yeah. Solid. Hopefully trying to get some more before the end, before they all leave though. Leave and go off. Yeah. I can try to help you hook up some of that if you want. <laughs> yeah. I've, 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 I've actually, ones. I've talked to um, a bunch of people, but they, you know, like we did, you went back and forth, but then, you know, scheduling conflicts. And yeah. It gets weird. Canceled. Like Tony, uh, we won't say last names, but Tony, uh, it's canceled on me like 10 times. <laughs> and I don't uh, really know what that's about. But uh, back to your senior year. Obviously, you had some success, as I would like to say. Um, yeah, no, I would say that my whole college search experience um, was you know, pretty defined by COVID because my, you know, I feel like in any normal year, I would have probably started touring, at least preliminarily, in sophomore year bit of junior but I my college tours the bulk of them were really only done uh, winter break of junior year mm-hmm. and so I took you know a bit of a loop up to the you know northeast checked out some Ivies, checked out you know Boston New York yeah saw some really interesting places um, but I feel like I kind of zeroed in on like I wanted a school in a city not in the middle of nowhere but mm-hmm. not a huge city like I think New York City would have been a little overwhelming yeah. all con- yeah. things considered uh, but really, I was able to kind of take that trip, find out what I liked, what I didn't like. And honestly, that showed me that what I really enjoyed in a school was something that was 20 minutes away. Yeah. And so Which it works very out. convenient works for out. myself yes, in terms of yeah. moving furniture. Um, and that is that is that does work out pretty good. Obviously, uh, your parents went to Duke. Um, mm. Nepo, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you got in... Um, early decision, which is a lot different from my brother's experience and a lot of people's experiences of, you know, having a couple acceptances, a couple rejections, you kind of saved yourself, um, some stress there, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, that was kind of interesting. Cause I only ended up applying to two schools in the early round. It was a ED at Duke and then non-binding early action to U Miami, which I just loved when I checked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't that tech, uh, considered more of like a party school? I don't know. I think there's a party aspect to it, but I think, you know, if you have the will to work hard and do cool things, there's definitely the opportunity there as well. Mm-hmm. But they also got like like club-sponsored <laughs> yachts and stuff. So yeah, yeah. no, there's definitely... Club-sponsored yachts. That sounds pretty cool. There's a luxury component to that. But yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been... Had a really different experience than most people this year and that I really didn't get a rejection. Yeah. Which is, is just kind of weird. And I feel like that... Almost sets me up worse for like grad school and stuff because then <laughs> think that's gonna be my first time ever getting rejected mm. from school. Yeah. Well, I know that moment when, you know, um, my brother got in. Other people have gotten in. Um, after you face that rejection, is is like so much sweeter in a sense. That's like you get that high and you're like, oh my god, like I. That's what the past four years have been for mm-hmm. getting into the college that I wanted, getting into at least a decent college and you know, that type of thing. It's, I think it's pretty cool when that happens. Yeah, no, it was definitely, uh, felt awesome when it happens. I yeah. mean, it was just one that I had been super anxious about for months. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not one of those that was like super ahead of the curve on the application. You know, a lot of people were like, a lot oh. of people were behind this year. I feel like. Yeah. Well, so yeah. No. From what I, it was like, the, you know, the you get the weird people. Not so much at Ravenscroft, mm-hmm. but like the yeah. crazy northwestern, like New Hampshire school, or sorry, northeastern, like New Hampshire, New yeah. York type schools. Like they'll have the entire application done this summer before they're going into the like senior year. Mm-hmm. Some people have been working on essays since before the summer started, like still in junior. And I just don't get that. Because you really don't have like a complete picture of what you're going to look like as an applicant and how you can make yourself yeah. look. Yeah, and that, I mean that that first semester of senior year can change some aspect of your application as well. So. No, totally. I mean, dude, I like uh, middle school was fully convinced I was going to be an architect. I was like all in on engineering up until like halfway through sophomore year. So, and I definitely like you got to give yourself the chance to kind of figure out not just what am I good at, but what could I see myself doing as a career. And like what day to day am I interested in just kind of knowing more about you got to find that thing where it's like, damn, this interests me. I would like to learn how this works at a more in-depth level. And I think that's all you need. Yeah. So, so the the architect dreams, right? At what point did that shift into maybe, you know, I want to go into public policy law. I'm assuming. So architecture, that was a whole thing where I just realized that I cannot draw for shit. (laughs) And so like I did a couple camps in middle school, but you learn that like, Hey, being an architect, your job is to draw squares really well, really fucking good squares. Yeah. And when you can't draw like a 3d cube, you can't do your, you know, Bruno Leschi domes or anything. You can't visualize that in your mind, put it on paper. You're not supposed to be an architect. Mm -hmm. Other thing is the hours seem absolutely cutthroat. It's like, like the craziest, you know, work yourself to death hours for really yeah. not. I know, I know we've talked about that a lot before is that's one of the reasons why you didn't want to go into medical as well. It was like, <laughs> I've, you know, kind of growing up with my dad being the, you know, going through residency and med school, it's just, it seems like such a burden on one schedule and mm-hmm. then like, there's really no way to work around it. It's just like sometimes you're on call and then you have to be like alert 24 yeah. seven for like a stretch mm-hmm. of a couple weeks and I don't know. I feel like even like other high intensity jobs, you have a little bit more control over that. Like if you go on vacation, you can actually stay on vacation. Yeah. You know, if they need need, need you to hospital, you get into the fucking hospital because it's not like, oh, we won't get this paperwork in. It's like, dude, this guy's going to fucking die unless you get your ass over here. Exactly. Which is not something I need. Yeah. I'm kind of agreeing with you there. I don't, I don't think the high stress is something that I would um, aim towards, especially after high school and going into that college arena. Um, but that's just uh, a message. Even though you're going into, uh, you want to be a law, study public policy, right? Law, yeah, no, law. public policy, throw in some classical studies. I yeah. There's a lot to be explored. But even, even with that, you could, you know, take a class first semester of college, whatever, and be like, well, shit, I'd really like this or something like that. And then you switch it up a little bit or go into something new, get a job offer somewhere else. So I think that's that's pretty interesting. You yeah, know, um, I mean, I think something to keep in mind, and I was able to talk to the like Duke's provost, which is like kind of a deanish type position. Mm-hmm. And so this guy was basically saying, like, and it was kind of like a parent panel. And it's like you guys, it's it's one thing, you know, you can go to college having kind of a career in mind, because you know I feel like a lot of people think there's like two ways you can go in college. You can go in like the liberal arts, like learn about the world, learn yeah. about like history and stuff, or you can go like pre-professional. It's like, hey, I know I want to be making bricks for a living. Let's like learn, take every class I can to be the best I can be at learning how to make bricks. But the thing is, like, half the people going into a college in a given year, especially nowadays, half the people with these jobs in mind are going to be like eventually going into a career that does not exist at this moment. Yeah. And so by building up those kind of skills just on the basis of like, hey, this is something I'd like to explore because I think it's going to make me smarter. I think it's going to make me more skillful at something. Mm-hmm. Not just because I want to do this for a living, but just because I think it's good for making me a good person, you know, yeah. well-rounded. And that, that point about, like, a profession that's ever-growing and changing, like, the AI and the, like, professions that could come out of that is crazy right now. I feel like in the last six months, we haven't really talked about that a lot on this podcast, but just in the last six months, that, you know, whole new world of, like, tech that's being opened up, that personally sort of scares me because I'm not, like very technically inclined but it feels like you know the world's always increasingly moving that way so i need to learn how to like use a computer to be pretty important yeah i know it seems like uh, the whole learn to code argument is definitely as true nowadays as it has been it's just it's interesting to see like how that has changed because you know computer science is such a popular major such yeah. a big like booming field 
But it's like when you think about what you're going to be learning in like a college level computer science major, think of like what they learned in the 90s and like how little of that is probably applicable yeah. to how computers work nowadays. And then you kind of take that forward. It's like, hey, I'm going to learn about like whatever coding languages are in right now, whatever hardware we're working with. Mm-hmm. Is that like even like like 10 years into the future, is that even what it's going to look like? Especially yeah. with the artificial intelligence piece, which I think is just such an interesting color to add to this argument well while we're while we're talking about ai right this mm-hmm. is this is pretty important i mean get, get close to the mic here close to the mic All right. um do you think let me figure out how i'm going to phrase this question right do you think there's a limit to which we should explore the possibilities of ai or do you think we should push the boundaries see how far it can take us i don't know so that's a that's a really interesting question i think when you when you're saying like take ai too far I think what you're envisioning is a nightmare is like the like Terminator or something, it, it, right? Like the robots. Is that not possible? It's like one of those where it's like, hey, let's tell the robots to prevent as many humans as dying for possible. Well, you saw that thing, uh, they, like, the, the Google employee that claimed that AI was sentient. I don't know if he was factually disproven or not, but, you know, that definitely was um, an article. I mean, I read that in the news and this increasing, you know, just like recently, it felt very recent, this, you know, ChatGPT, the whole influence that that will have on kids, like doing homework and assignments and that type of thing, it's like gotten crazy in a very short period of time. It kind of makes you think like, if we can progress that much in a short period of time, what else is next? I don't know. I think in like the short term, what we really need to be concerned about. So, you know, we, we hear about like these, like AI is all ruining society. There's like so much opportunity for there to be like these threats that we don't know how to face, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm personally more afraid of with AI is that it's going to strengthen threats that we've already faced for decades, which I think is the corporate stranglehold on the average you know, citizen in the world. I think the big thing, like we see with AI art generation, yeah, the fact that there is, it's not original content, it's just taking from these databases of real artists who have like poured their heart and soul hundreds of hours into these pieces of art, just for it to be like put in the meat grinder to like make you like, oh, uh, Pikachu on Obama or something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's just like I feel like in these in our like attempts to, you know, you kind of pursue the limited AI, mm-hmm. make these goofy inventions. We're kind of lending more power to the corporations that are ultimately going to make money from these tools. Yeah. And I think that is the opportunity to kind of have this automated taking away of like intellectual property rights. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely another way to look at it as something more um, very realistic that we know like is happening can happen rather than thinking of what could possibly happen. Hey, Siri. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I will say about the ChatGTP component, you know, with regards to homework. Yeah. I really don't think that that is that bad a practice. No, I I actually think, um, take a sip of water here. I think that it actually can help in a lot of ways. In terms of if we don't allow it to influence it so much to where we're only using it for like all assignments. So like it definitely shouldn't take away from you working your brain and your mind. But you know, whenever a teacher assigns like a busy work assignment to write a paragraph about something that makes no sense and is nonsense, then I mean it's pretty valid. And I think that that's I think that you can definitely screw yourself out of an education if for every essay you're yeah. using it because they're not like it's not just work for work's sake. I think you gotta, some point in high school, you just gotta take. Well, most people don't, but some of us just take charge and say, you know what? Even if the day to day assignments seem kind of stupid, I acknowledge that this is building skills that mm-hmm. I am gonna need. Like learning, yeah. knowing how to write, knowing how to form an argument, crucial for pretty much any profession you're gonna find yourself mm-hmm. in. But I agree, if you're getting like some bullshit biology assignment <laughs> where it's like. 20 random questions about like the most basic stuff i honestly think throwing that into an ai mm-hmm. honestly it like highlights where there's like busy work and so and i mean you could use that to learn more information quicker as well if we think about it on the flip side like if you're writing an essay don't use it to write the essay but use it to figure out a counter argument like type the question and see what it feeds back to you and see oh well i didn't think of that let me figure out is this relevant is this interesting Mm-hmm. Or something like that. I mean, it could be the same thing as, you know, reading an article, a historical article or something yeah. like that. No, a really cool thing that I think you can do is that it can actually make an outline for an essay for you. So there's mm. been like some like little like practice essays I've done for the um, 
AP lit exam, and it's just like based on books I've read, I'll kind of think of a prompt. I'll have it make an outline for me so then I can try to write an essay to fit that outline. Mm. And so it kind of lends itself to the opportunity to practice different styles of writing, different approaches to questions without yourself having to go in and like manually find pieces of evidence in every book yeah. you've read. And that, that's, that's really good application. But obviously, um, don't use it to write your 30-page gov paper. Please don't. It's, <laughs> number one, it's going to be terrible because it's a thing I've learned about AI as like they're getting better, you know, with like turn it in and stuff at like mm. detecting AI. The way they do that is because AI just writes so predictably. It's like whatever it like goes by this like, hey, the next word, what would be the most sense in this sentence for the next word to be? And so you just get the most like you don't realize it when you're like, oh wow, this is making a paragraph. But if you like go on the sentence by sentence level, every time there's like you know you have this part of a sentence like the next word is like the most common word that it would be for that sentence if that makes mm -hmm. sense yeah it doesn't have the individuality of and like so it's just like it's just like of the sentences that start with like uh human trafficking is a type of it's just gonna like find whatever is most repeated on the internet for mm -hmm. that and like I, it'll get you correct information it's just not nuanced not interesting sentence structure and that's how they detect it is the sentence structure just being so basic yeah. and repetitive but i mean Nowadays, though, I mean, I've heard, you know, you can put it into websites, which are like scramble, whatever, make it un AI detectable. Um, I don't know if how I've never used one of those. I don't know how valid it is. Um, yeah, I don't know how those work. Because because I don't turn it in. Right. That that scans for like copy, like plagiarism. Yeah. It doesn't scan for AI detection. I think they're working on something to scan for AI protection. I don't know if it's out yet. But I think, I think what would make all this a lot better academic wise is if there was a really, really strong AI detector that you could feed it through and make sure that it was, you know, original work. That's the problem with Turnitin. I mean, I feel like everyone's like tried to check Turnitin beforehand, you know? Oh, like, yeah. You try to see if, like, hey, if I turn this into turn it in, then, like, will they detect a bunch of bullshit? <laughs> uh, so, and that's the reason, like, turn it in is, like, some crazy price for a subscription, and you can, like, only get it if you're affiliated with a school. Yeah. Is to prevent that. So there's, like, not really any way that, like, it's kind of by design. Students are not allowed to access that checking tool. Yeah. So it's like, hey, actually, and, write it. And well. turn it in doesn't always work. It's kind of weird. Like, usually it'll highlight quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you and know, quotes aren't plagiarism and it should be able yeah. to recognize that. Um, but it'll highlight like things that are um, similar to the past papers that I've written, like my Augusta like one in the exactly. MLA format. That makes mm -hmm. no sense. That's like, and, and that speaks to something a little bit concerning about Turn It In because to know that it has all your other papers mm -hmm. uploaded, it keeps them uploaded. And obviously, no one's like submitting anything suspect, but like still Turn It In having these like papers you've done throughout high school, middle school is a little, it's a little creepy. Yeah. The fact that that's kind of become part of the database. It's like, hey, they're this tool, and then they're going to take the essays that the kids write to train the tool better. And so it's like a bit, I don't know, it's a whole can of worms that we don't need to get into right now. But We could open it, though. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> business practices have turned it in would get me into the kind of business practices of school-related companies in general. And obviously, we'd get to the college board, and that's just... <laughs> That, uh, you know uh, the college board. You know, you know you my know, feelings on it. Hail, I think all hail leader college board. Praise be to the that great the college eyeball board in the sky. Please <laughs> take mercy on us. Um, Just forgive us for our slights against you. We were having the uh, my family was having a discussion yesterday actually about that. Um, at one point, college board was referenced as a uh, the authoritarian dictatorship of our generation. I'm going to be honest, man, that is not too far off base. Uh, and like the whole like having to pay for every AP it, exam, it's, it, it sucks. It yeah. is almost very concerning, uh, but very concerning that we have one organization that largely controls all of higher learning in one of the most powerful countries in the world. It's It's... And so, I mean, I think it was also one thing, because, like, back, uh, I talked to my parents, you know, about what school was like in, like, kind of late 90s. Number one, you took very, like, a lot fewer AP classes, mm -hmm. and it was like, you, you pretty much only took them as a senior. You'd maybe take, like, one as a junior, but pretty much all your APs were as a senior. And also, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're as familiar with, as I am, with all the, like, industry around SAT, ACT prep. Yeah. Yeah. And like people wanting you spent thousands, maybe even tens, like tens of thousands of dollars on these like crazy tutors 
to like hack the tests. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, back in the 90s, that is not something that people did. They kind of saw this as a standardized test, treated it as such, went in with the knowledge they had, and just like just did that. And so now the fact that people are trying to game the system, and the fact that there's so much money going into paying people to game the system for you, is it's a little fucked up. I mean, I yeah. never did any of that. I didn't do any of the SAT or ACT prep. And I, I, I understand why people do it. I understand it's like, hey, why shouldn't I get a leg up? But, I mean, it kind of undoes the purpose of standardized testing as an equalizer across class barriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know how readily they're, uh, you know, making changes to the system. I don't really think that they are. I mean, there was the uh, recent court case, which uh, for this upcoming year, I think disallowed uh, that you had to include, like, race on the college application uh, process. So I think that's pretty interesting as well. Yeah, that was a case, I think, with both Harvard and UNC, actually. Because they, they were, you know, uh, the affirmative action. Yeah, and I don't think that's related to... It might end up being related to how they do stuff on standardized test scores, but it's like for college admissions, you're no longer allowed to view applications with a lens to race, mm-hmm. which I think in concept works. The issue is... I mean, like... It, but it I, doesn't really make sense when you're, when you're trying to accurately judge... Um, like the person and their their life because i mean race is an important part of every person's life um but in concept i agree it does make sense because you you do want everyone to be looked at equally but at the same time it's like there's a there's a really interesting i mean like most laws there's a really interesting history there in that the supreme court ruled on this a couple decades ago and said yes this is necessary now because we have an inherently like race-oriented society where some have a leg up on others. Mm. And that's why we're going to give them that extra weight in college admissions. But that's not a permanent solution. And what's really interesting in this most recent Supreme Court decision that has overturned that, they said, oh, well, that Supreme Court said it was a temporary measure, so now we can be done. But it's like the the, the root cause, the root problem has not been addressed whatsoever. Yeah. And we still have. So it like, was a temporary problem fixed by, or so a temporary solution. That was that taken away before taken they fixed away. the fucking problem. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's that whole camp. It's like, oh, we, we had a black president. There can't be racism anymore. We're done with all that <laughs> stuff. Hell, there are people that have been saying racism has been cured since the civil rights movement. That in like 1960s, Martin Luther King cured it for the nation. And we've never had problems since. And obviously that's not true. And mm. you're, you're stupid if you think that it's true, <laughs> in all honesty. At least that's my opinion. Racism is like pattern recognition and is the idea that like when humanity lived in these kind of tribal hunter-gather or even like small agricultural uh, communities, it was the idea that this like was our kind of basic defense. It's like, hey, you don't look like me. That means you're not related to me. So we should either be enemies or at, le- at the very least I shouldn't be helping you too much. But honestly, we can't, like, people that try to use that as an argument for racism in the modern day, the fact that, like, this is the one thing that you want to preserve from those hunter together. it's like, no, I don't really want to go in the woods and eat berries and nuts, but I like that one part, that one, <laughs> like, evolutionary flaw that may have, like, saved a couple of lives back in the Stone Age. And it's like, that's what we're going to keep. It reminds me of the Mormons. The Mormons are, or wait, who are the, the Amish? Mm. The Amish are weird. You know why? Because it's like, <laughs> hey, we've had we've had centuries of evolution, but you know what? Seventeen hundreds. That's when that's when God <laughs> was happy with our technology. So we're gonna keep that, and everyone else can go to hell. But like this one snapshot, it's like, oh, God likes this. God likes seventeen. Mm-hmm. He likes farming. He likes having buildings. You know, having cattle. But he doesn't like any of this newfangled machinery. I mean, uh, if they're happy. Live the life, man. I suppose, but I mean, it's are they like, happy? Because um, once you get into like religious extremism like that, it's like, yeah, they're like the founders probably want to do that. Once know. you get like the kids in that society being forced to well, live that, that, way. that is, I think if if it does make somebody happy, if you turn that too much, it might fall on you. I'm not turning it. I'm just going <laughs> to say. Um, definitely, that is the issue. Like, I remember I watched a, a documentary about the kids of like the the flower child, like the hippie like yeah movement, like in the which commune they were thing. on the like the uh the reservation not that's not the right word but what? commune I yeah the communes the yeah. um and they were like they had been indoctrinated in this life and they're like having to walk around in like you know short jeans and like no shoes and wearing those like um rainbow shirts like tie-dyes and yeah, they're like yeah. they realize 
oh, you know what, I want to go to college. And it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe we should let the kids decide for themselves before they pay for the, you know, lifestyle choice that the parents have made and that type of thing. It's, mm-hmm. um, but obviously, you know, to each his own. I mean, if that definitely does make some people happy living a Amish lifestyle. So more power to them. I think uh, as time goes on, uh, they seem to have more of a point. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know, yeah. like thinking about like social media alone and how that's kind of collectively fucked us. Mm-hmm. Like that, seeing like the numbers on how the average attention span of like an American adult has been affected since the 90s, it's not good numbers, Bryce. I'll tell you that much. It's, it's scary numbers. Uh, I'm part of the problem, though. I love like the family guy clips with the mobile <laughs> gameplay. Uh, those, are, those are my bread and butter. Yeah, and it's kind of back to that thought like do we want to stop that or do we just want to keep consuming (laughs) i would like to stop it because i'm not gonna i can't stop myself (laughs) i don't know it's 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 funny when you get to something like that where it's like or like falling for marketing it's like dude i can consciously like recognize that that they're trying to trick me basically they're trying to fool me into buying this product or using this service but still dr squatch looks so good does it the soap (laughs) I don't know. I will say to any of our, you know, listeners out there, regular soap bars just clear the floor with like any kind of like detergent soaps that you like. Mm. It's, it's like the blue gels or whatever. Well, uh, get into actual bar of soap. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just like simple. It is like it's good for you. Um, it's like <laughs> what was that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> What was that? You can't see, but me and Bryce are making various obscene gestures at each other. Goo goo gaga. There we go. <laughs> what, what was that? I'm one? casting spells, man. Oh. Anyway. Um. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just turn this. Like, how have you been doing? How's school for a sophomore? It's good, dude. I'm, I'm a. You know, I got first AP exams coming up. Oh, uh, that's gonna be fun. What's on the docket? I got uh, Euro and Human Geography. Nice. I'm uh I'm feeling good about Euro. I'm a European history demon. I would actually like to talk a little bit of Euro uh, with you as you are a history buff, oh, self-proclaimed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, human geography, though, I will admit, sucks some ass. I did not take that. It seems kind of lame. It is, honestly, I would say it's useful knowledge as a background for the general structure of society. But at the same time, it shouldn't, it's not like a class. It's just a collection of like random facts that have very little to do with each other. Um, Knowing very little about human geography, it just seems like a much stupider version of like cultural anthropology. It sort of is. I mean, it gets, it starts to deviate a little bit away from like humans in a way in which it also explains like the earth in some sense. Just like the layout of it. Mm -hmm. Like Like geography, topography, nature, that type of thing. But and when then you get it, to like the country level, a lot of that is anthropology. Yeah. It's like how does human behavior no. respond to these? I mean, everything to do with humans obviously would probably right, be gem, covered yeah. in anthropology one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that stuff. Yeah, no, that, that part of it was pretty interesting. But then mm-hmm. you get to the part that's uh, you know ten pages on soil, and it's like okay, it's well, like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. Oh, we can grow this crop in this region, exactly. and that's why these people are trying to war with these people to get the land to, to get the crop. Plant this crop. What do you need? Crop. What are the four ingredients for rich soil? Oh, you need micronutrients. It needs to have a crumbly texture. Really? Is yeah, that actually what they talk? That's what they said. Hmm. <laughs> nitrogen, right? Yes, you need the um, nitrogen fixing bacteria in the soil, if hmm. I remember from biology correctly. Sounds about right. I couldn't tell you. There's I'm an AP bio, cycle, and it's right? like... Isn't, I, there, isn't that the thing? Nitrogen cycle? Uh, we didn't learn it in AP, but I'm sure it exists. So you took Euro. Did you guys do like a... You guys ever get around to like uh, crop enclosing in like the 1800s? Uh, so like the, the first sort of agriculture revolution that would, in, in England, that would lead to like... Setting the precursor for industrialization. Yeah, kind of like the transition from like the open field system to like actual to like enclosures. enclosures. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, and so a big component of that, I remember Amidiata talking about it. Kind of has to do with that, like replenishing the nitrogen. And so what they mm-hmm. did is that, like, like say, like you want to grow corn and potatoes or something. I don't know. I don't know any areas where you can grow both in the same area, but we're just gonna say corn and potatoes. 
And so instead of dividing your field into two, you divide it into three. Mm-hmm. You have the corn and potatoes, one, yeah. two. And then the third one, you plant clover because clover actually replenishes the soil by infusing the nitrogen yeah. into it as it decays. And so then you'd like switch over to the newly replenished soil. And that way, you know, you're not having to expend as much to revitalize the soil between like seasons. And that's why it's the whole thing where it's like you can definitely overwork the soil. Yeah. But this kind of. When you rotate it in mixed crop farming and that type of thing. And it's a lot easier because like it's not just like a barren field that you're having to like maintain despite there not being nothing there. You have a crop growing there. It's just that crop is instead of taking away from the soil, it's replenishing those nutrients. And so mm. that, that's really interesting stuff. Yeah, that is interesting. And I mean, the the largest effect of that would be that sort of population increase as a result of more consistent, you know, food and commercialization of like the agriculture and that type of thing. Food is nice. Dude, there's there's so many intriguing bits of history where it's like revolutions in food source caused population booms, which like led to revolutions and stuff like that. The biggest one of that would be, in my opinion, my humble opinion, Mm -hmm. would be the... Exchange of the Colombian. Ah, the Colombian exchange. Yeah, yes. no, that one's that's a solid example. Um, I think potatoes did a lot for Europe. Yeah, especially during a time where people in their first stage of the European demographic transition, you have um, a influxuous high death rate, where so many people are dying due to plague oh, and other boo-hoo. assorted issues. Um, though 95% of the indigenous population in the Americas dying was probably not the best outcome of the Columbian Exchange. No. I mean, like, we can tell you the, like, the potato famine. So people, like, say that that's, like, oh, that's unfortunate for the Irish and it drove, like, migration from Ireland. The Irish, I'm going to be honest. Why were they the whole, so dependent on the potatoes? It wasn't just they were dependent on the potatoes. Because, like, the Irish had, like, by far, like, like 90% of the deaths in this potato blade mm-hmm. were Irish. Because all of Europe, across like Europe, they had like 19 species of potatoes. Mm-hmm. And in Ireland, they had like three. Yeah, because only a certain amount could be grown in that climate. And, and they like, relied on that so heavily. It's like if you're going to be dependent on one type of food, at least diversify the number of species within that food. I mean, that's just like yeah. semi-common sense. Maybe it wasn't back How then. How to not starve your population. Hindsight's 2020. I don't know if I could make it as a potato farmer. <laughs> but like... Looking back, that's it's it's pretty easy to point out. It's like, yeah, you guys should have had more potato species, mm-hmm. dummies. But then you can talk about, um, like, the potato, how that was, like, became political in terms of, like, when Britain didn't really help them and then, like, sort of helped them but then didn't really help them. Mm-hmm. And then they got angry and then they started beefing. That they did. No, I mean... Columbian exchange is definitely a big one in terms of food supply causing population boom. I think two other neat examples. One was like, I can't remember if it was like Aztec or Incas, but it was like they had this way of farming where it was they could carve these like multiple tiers of land into the mountainside. Oh, I know. Are you talking about like the, the, like the hills? Exactly. And like, like the, the. It was the Incas. I'm pretty sure it was I the think Incas. It was, that makes sense. And it was like this, like, they, their way of creating, like, yes. a stratus. And they could store fear. the food, like, in the ground. It was weird. It was, yeah, no, so it was like they had these kind of, like, flat surfaces. Mm-hmm. It was like this tiered system. And so they could grow different types of crops. And it was also irrigation happened a lot more naturally. And so, because, like, if you're just on, the, like, a mountain face, any water coming in is either going to, like, like, wash something away or it's not going to, like, stay in the soil. Mm-hmm. With these, like, systems that they carved out, it was, like, much more efficient. In yeah, that's of sort of like similar to, like, have you seen, like, the, the rice farms in, like, uh, you know, China? I was about like to bring up the Chinese, Asia. actually. Like, like that, the, that's like sort of crazy. The paddy rice farming. It's mm-hmm. crazy to me, like, the level of, like, reliance on the water for that. Yeah, no, that's really interesting stuff. I mean, cereal grains, man, they run the world. And there's this whole, like, the transportation evolution, revolution of, like... Storing rice in China. Because, you know, like, southern China, that's where they uh, farmed it. Mm -hmm. And then northern China was a lot, like, where all the important political structures were. And so when they started being able to ship the rice along uh, the river systems from southern China to northern China, that's when we actually saw a pretty big cultural boom in the Chinese, just because population was increased. And they were able to kind of cement government structures that we kind of associate with that country now. 
happened mm-hmm. because of that uh, revolution in agriculture. It really is interesting how like farmers are kind of a big root of a lot of advancement. Backbone of society, yeah. I'd say. Oh, I, pretty much every society was agriculture had its start. And then you evolve from there. I hope we don't run out of food, man. That'd be that'd be a bummer. Well, you believe in Malthusian theory, like, uh, what is that? Like we will overpopulate and run out of food. Um, he predicted that. Um, oh, was that run Malthus? Out in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he predicted that we'd run out like a while ago, maybe like in 1980 or something like that. We haven't run out of food yet, and that was due to the increasing technological advancements of farming Mm -hmm. but it's like we talk about this in human geography there is still a crap ton of food like there's so much and it's um the experts i don't know who they are but the experts the food scientists the food scientists um (laughs) at least in the textbook Mm -hmm. said that that's not a major concern for a decent amount of time um because of how much we're allowed to farm. The issue that we should be talking about is how all the food is allocated crazily to developed countries. Mm. And like, we have enough food to feed everybody on the planet Earth, but then why are millions still in starvation because of lack of access to that food? So it's like. Well, I mean, I think we're going to be all right on that front just because think of like all the problems with food waste. Like how much food we throw yeah, away. Yeah, that's like, another problem. Yeah, But that's a problem, but it also means that we have the food to waste. So it's like when it gets down to the wire, and if it's truly like dire enough that the government would have to create some sort of rationing system, we have the food to waste. So that means like as the food supply decreases, maybe it'll decrease to like a level that we're like perfectly matching how much everybody eats if nobody wastes anything. And obviously allocation is another issue entirely, but it's like, I feel like I, I perhaps optimistically believe that if it really came down to the wire, Americans would recognize, like, hey, we actually got to, like, not throw away as much food as we do now. That is a very optimistic belief. Uh, yeah. Maybe not here. Maybe Scandinavia. I bet they'd be fine. The Dutch, I Trump trust. country. Maybe Sweden. Sweden? I don't know. I don't know why. They feel very uniform. They'd probably, like, policy. spend all of their funding on Swedish fish manufacturing. I think at that point, um, the, like... The Netherlands or like Norway, like all those like coast, like northern European, yeah, places, kind of like the uh, places. Bal- that Would you have, call those Baltic states? I don't know. N- no, Baltics. That's like more the, over to the east. That's yeah. like um, yeah, that's more over to like. I think Scandinavian is probably the best word. Yeah, for it's it. like the northern European type thing. Yeah, um, that have access to like a lot of like those fishing regions and like the cod production that they have up there. I feel like that's. Mm-hmm gonna be a pretty good place to be although eating only fish would probably suck but it wouldn't be great yeah no i mean it's it's kind of interesting though how like regional palates develop based on that kind of thing so oh, yeah. i mean <laughs> i i was uh so i did this like program with yale over the summer on like uh global economies of agriculture and so this thing that it, there's this one professor guy talking about how there are like regions in spain that have had coastal access for you know centuries thousands of years that really don't like fish all too much and you like like think of england england Mm -hmm. like english cuisine as a whole just culturally they have like four times of fish that they like Mm -hmm. they have like cod halibut herring and i uh there's one other one i don't know but they have like this very of the fish that they were able to catch off the british channel and just in that general area Mm -hmm. of the english sea um sorry it's the english channel not the british channel fuck um, of that area, they only like eat a couple of those types of fish. Mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna fucking kill my wife. <laughs> All right, no, Siri can join us. She has some. Oh, yeah, she has some thoughts. Wonderful to opinions. Yeah. I know. I uh, that kind of goes along with like in India. You know, you had the spices and the spice trade, which evolved into their cuisine and that type of thing. And also, you can see British influences in that because of their occupation of India and that type of thing. It's like. Um, and yet they don't use the fucking spices. I, I heard this thing yeah. once. It is fucking funny. It was uh, the beauty in uh, the beauty of their women and the taste of their food made the British the best sailors in the world. <laughs> it was like they need to get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, talking about India, like 
the motivations for like trade to India is like what set everything off in European history. That's like textbook page number one. Oh, why mm-hmm. are they exploring? Well, they want spices. Do they make you all read a Southernization in freshman year? Southernization? It's an essay by uh, Linda Schaefer. I actually do remember the title, but I'm not going to pretend to know the what it contains. I don't know. It's it's kind of a less impactful title now that we don't use Westernization as much. Because mm. kind of early 2000s, that was a big term that was thrown around a bunch. It was like, oh, Western cultural influences were spread throughout the world as a result of the you know interdependent global economy. But Linda Shaver's idea was that basically Westernization was just kind of the echoes of an earlier thing called Southernization, which is like started in the Indian Ocean region, because that was back when you really couldn't do like world-spanning voyages, we just mm. didn't have the technology. Yeah. But in that one region, you know, India, parts of China, parts of Africa, a little bit of Italy, in that region, you had these like evolutions of uh, sailing techniques and navigation up to the point that in that little region, you could make those journeys. Yeah. And there was that like an interdependent economy between these continents a lot earlier than any other historian thought there was gonna, yeah. like that there was anything like that. And so we kind of think, oh, like, oh yeah, 1900s, we invented global economy. Whereas so, in like smaller... Well, that's kind of the term globalization, like that first use of that. But mm-hmm. there was an independent global economy starting from, you know, when Spain fucked everybody over with silver and that, mm-hmm. type, of, that type of shit. It's Honestly, like, just because the United States poked our head into the turtle shell for like 150 years in there. Yeah. That doesn't mean the world stopped uh, advancing in our absence from it. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of think, it's like, oh, when the United States started interfering in global affairs, that's when the globe happened. Where it's like between systems of colonies, but also just regional trade, the world was pretty connected already. Yeah. We got to give them credit for that. Yeah. I mean, that was not all good, but, you know. It was not all good. (laughs) Definitely not all good. Uh, Triangle trade. Very interesting times. Okay. While he leaves and probably makes a lot of noise on the way out, we should probably return um, for the 15 minutes left uh, in this time scale. Um, Senior assassins. Senior assassins. So you are still alive, right? I am... But I'm going to be honest, man. You want to change that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fucked now because you can, like, if someone invites the person into yeah. your house, no, that actually, you're, it's fair game. You, I'm not know. safe here. Like, I, if, if your mom, like, actually, lets in someone. That's actually really facts. Your location's probably on, so. That, Let him uh, go, man. So, like, first week, I got, like, a good elimination day one, Monday. So that kept me in the game because it was, like, first week, you have to kill someone by Sunday night yeah at like 10 p.m or something to stay in so i did that and i had a target that i it was a like skylar right just lives in the yes. middle of nowhere yes that would have been impossible man. <laughs> i uh that, and so like i just i just didn't even try at that point because mm-hmm. i already i got my one yeah but but you you lasted longer than like two-thirds of the contestants you're not wrong i'm doing pretty well for myself so i so i mean so i've been like kind of keeping it like down low you know living cautiously but after they reshuffle the opponents for this next week, I just like, I might go get them if it's like convenient for me, but I really could not be bothered. And I honestly, I just... Is I, this anyone that I know? Uh, Davis Ellis. Is who you have? It is, yes. Okay, so I'll... I'll do you want me to vote that out? I don't care. <laughs> okay. Put it up there. Let him... So let he's... Him, the, I don't think... Let him, I don't think he's going to listen to this find podcast. Out. I mean, although... If other seniors are listening, but I don't really think many are. Are they? I don't know. I don't know. I like we pro- grow every day in number. <laughs> I might I might make it a clip and post it to the Instagram so everyone can see <laughs> That'd it. That'd be funny, actually. <laughs> right. um, uh, but no, I mean, I've just... The honeymoon period is over. I'm just kind of going back to regular life. Because, like, I, I really want to, like, be going to the gym again. <laughs> I kind of took a week off and just did stuff at home, and that was not fun for me. Yeah. And lifetime is obviously, like, a, a my bloodbath, but... I don't know. Sometimes you gotta let priorities lay where they might. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, while we're on this topic, for the sophomore listeners out there, right? Yeah. I just want to point something out that they tried to emulate a version of senior assassins. I think the juniors did this last year too when they were sophomores. The juniors which, last. Oh, when they were sophomores. Yeah. Okay. Um, in which they grabbed splatterball guns or like. 
Splatter Water Wars. Guns. That was something. And they, you know, divided up into teams and are doing. That was North Side game. versus South Side. <laughs> I was North Side. An ORF for you listeners out there. Okay. Um, but people, they are so stupid in the way that they did it to where they allowed it to happen on campus and yeah. someone already got in trouble, like today. First thing today. Are they bringing it back? Yeah, probably. Today? I don't no, know. So that, there was like a thing with like, the, yeah, it was, actually that was more juniors last year, I think. Yeah. Like the juniors. No, that was. The, yeah, that was, the sophomores from, yeah, who are now juniors, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was that was fun, but it was it was like all done through like Life Three Sixty. Yeah, you're saying they like they're starting it up again, and that didn't they, go too yeah, well. Yeah, so our group started it up again in like tenth grade. Yeah, and then they had their spider ball guns in the ozone today. Oh, interesting. And that's, that's a terrible idea. The security guard. <laughs> oh wow! Um, that he didn't like them bringing a gun. Did to not like them bringing a gun to school, which is very understandable. In Even this. like a water gun is not good. To, like be waving mm-hmm. around in the hallways. Yeah. So, um, more of the story. Just don't be an idiot. Too um, true. Too true. I have been negative towards this from the beginning because I think it's frankly a dumb idea. Back when we did it, it was not organized. Like, you couldn't win. It was just we went to each other's houses and yeah. each other. So, I actually got run up on by, uh, I can say Jacob, because he's been on the uh, podcast before. Jacob. Um, uh, Gilbert. Oh. You know, I don't know if you know him or not, but he's in my grade. That's a name I recognize. Um, cool. Yeah. He ran up on me with two other people, and uh, I got squirted in my PJs uh, last weekend. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not really a fan, right? Like, I don't know, uh, if that was the most, uh, honorable thing to do, you know, take a man, kick a man while he's down. Um, (laughs) poor guy. Uh, Uh, but I survived. That's good to hear. Actually, while we're talking to the sophomores, I would like to clear the air about something. There have been a lot of rumors that I've heard, a lot of them from you, Bryce, about what Logan is up to. No, I, lo, lo, I, I actually everyone is, mentioned this. Every, I've been uh, I've been talking to Logan a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's good. He he doesn't. Uh, Logan Gillespie is doing fine in all his classes. Yeah. He has not been to jail. He's not gotten in any legal trouble. All the things that I've heard from y'all. He doesn't have cancer, <laughs> that, that which I heard. Okay, that I heard one was, that he that had cancer from you, Bryce. That was mine. Like no, I was I was, I, was looking, I, I was concerned though. That's why I talked to you about. I it. I talked to him. He thought he had cancer, but it turns okay, out it was like so, nothing. So that's why. Um, that one was more of genuine concern. The He's playing hilarious dude. He like got he like went to the doctor to like get felt up, and it turns out it was like just his balls. Ah <laughs> oh, fuck. No, but like Logan is like doing fine. He's a normal, well-adjusted individual. He's getting fucking ripped, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can acknowledge that. He's getting very muscly. Playing a lot of golf. Just for our last couple minutes, let's switch the topic to something fun. Uh, you play video games, I assume, a little bit? A little bit, a little, a little bit. bit. I haven't had uh, too much time recently. Me but, neither. Uh, it's been unfortunate, but I, I'm starting to get back into it as the summer. Yeah, I noticed up. that I tend to have uh, a really, like, enjoy the start to the spring, but as the, you know, this last month is kind of torture, so. It's just such a weird shit with, like, temperature fluctuations, Yeah, you know? I kind of got to, you know... Keep keep grinding and get out. Of I it. am winter's strongest soldier, man. It's my favorite season. Everyone loves autumn, and I like autumn. It's temperate. I do. Around. I think I I think I definitely prefer autumn and winter because I'm most active. Because my my I feel like I slow down a little bit in the spring. I love running around when it's like super cold outside. I love all the Christmas shit. Christmas is awesome. Mm-hmm. Hot take coming from Ben Gillespie, man. Christmas is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean it's just. I feel energized. I feel more willing to get out of the house when it's like super cold outside because I like I feel like I'm acting in spite of nature. It's like, oh, you fucking, you're trying to keep me in, are you? Well, mm-hmm. I feel like it's that it's that like bite of the cold that it's, makes your mind like wake up. It's refreshing. It's good yeah. for you know sitting out on the porch for a couple minutes every morning with a cup mm. of coffee. It's nice. It's when you just take cold showers. Mm. Although that dude, the people that take cold showers, I actually I did it for a couple weeks, mm. um, and I have the capability to do it, which I. Pride myself on a little bit, but I, th- those people that do it like every day are demons, dude. I feel like I gotta like psych myself up for it, and usually with the show, I'm trying to like get up and out in the morning, yeah. and so well, I'm, that's, I, that's the issue. I don't have the time to like steal my nerves just to step into the fucking water machine. It has to, sometimes after after like a football practice, I'll do it if I'm super like overheated. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But dude, people that like, especially like cold tubs, oh, just go out Jesus every morning Christ. and like yeah, that seems in like worst. an ice bath, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. demon time. Right I would there. not do that to myself unless I had like a death I was trying to avenge or something. <laughs> <laughs> what death are you trying to avenge? Nothing at the moment. I'm just saying, if it ever comes up, that's you know the action you got to take. It's like listening to the uh, going dude, to the gym, not listening to music. You, you know, know that person. I, I heard out the for stupidest thing yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone came up to me. I'm not gonna say who, but they were like, you know, I hope that someone very close to me dies so I can be on a revenge arc. Well, that's a that's. A <laughs> I was like, what, dude? Dude wants to be the main character in the movies. I don't know, man. All the people you see in like media and stuff fighting for something, you know what they're fighting for? Peace and attention. quiet. Oh, <laughs> attention. <laughs> <laughs> I would say peace and quiet, and so you just enjoy the peace that you got, and the fact that you don't have to go kill anybody to get more peace. Yeah. Did you see John Wick 4? I did see John Wick 4. How did you feel about John Wick 4 compared to the other John Wick movies? Okay, so I'm going to state that I haven't seen the other John Wick movies. Really? So you just dropped it in a 4? I just dropped it in a 4. I was going to do that. Instead, I chose to watch all 4 in one day. And it was actually fucking awesome. Yeah. So I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I think that, honestly, the one where his dog is killed and he tries to avenge the dog probably is the most emotional. That sets it all off, yeah. Because it's Um, like, you know, you get the kind of rawness of his like I really like just the the bare action. Like, it's cool to see that. Although, Mm -hmm. I think it's really stupid how many bullets he puts into these people and they still don't die. It's kind of crazy. That's fair, you know. And the unlimited magazine is crazy. It's actually nuts. I was just counting, like, how many shots and it's just never reloads yeah no it's hilarious no but i think you know the actors chill uh i read like an article saying that like whenever you see like him uh like like instant reload whenever the gun gets jammed like that's real <laughs> like he like he's done enough like weapons training that uh like that's just his reaction when a gun's like jammed like a prop gun he'll like just like do the magazine stuff yeah click one out slip in a new one it's kind of neat it's yeah. uh, it's it's really well choreographed. But yeah, I'm gonna the, be honest. The fourth one dragged a lot compared to the first three, in my opinion. Well, I, guess I mean, I, I do wouldn't think have you, too you'd much have reference. that um, after you watch eight hours of John Wick in one day. It was fucking awesome. No, no. So first one's like about an hour and a half, and then the second and the third are about two hours, like pretty round. And then the third one goes up to like two hours and fifty minutes, and it is just a slog in some parts. Like you remember the stairs. Yeah, that whole scene. That that was crazy to me. He went up the stairs. He went down the stairs. All the way down. All the way fucking down. And then went back up the stairs. And went down down a little little bit. bit. And then back. And then the guy joined him. And they went back up together. But like Jesus Christ, I don't care about the staircase. It's not a character. We shouldn't stay here for like like half an hour of the movie. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. And it's it's like he he spoilers for anybody watching. But he went up with the blind dude. Mm-hmm. Right, and then the blind dude killed him. That's fucked, isn't it? That's like, that's like so fucked. I, I do I like the ending of it, though. I like that he died. I do, I do. I think the ending was well planned. That duel was very mm-hmm. symbolic. The duel was very symbolic, and I just, I really liked the symbolism of like you know, he, and he, there was no real way out of this for him. Mm-hmm. Like, and like what you see is like you kind of, you kind of have to see the other ones because it's like the the flow of it is that like when this first movie ends, the second movie starts. It's like this constant story. Yeah. It's like Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs. You remember Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs 2? They, like, snap at the, the very end of Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs burger. 1. Well, no, no. So what, what they do is that, like, Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs 2 starts exactly where Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs 1 start. Like, oh, you know what? I, I look, you think uh, Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs is better than John Wick. <laughs> it's a good movie. I like, I like the guy. Dude, I... Dude, the dad. That is peak dad design. Taco Dial Supreme. That was my favorite moment. Oh, fuck. I and like the police officer. Yeah, the guy who runs he's, like, like this. He's, like, <laughs> runs like a like like one of those walk signs. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, that's my favorite character. And his uh. kids like the little like uh, like sassy kid. Oh like yeah, Kyle. Ky- Kyle. Yeah, I don't know. No wait, that's South Park. No no no. I think the kids. Kyle. I think the the. Dude, can the, we address this? I gotta address this. I okay, address yeah, this. let's bring it up. The, the amount of people that have referenced me. And Kyle from South Park, right? The main character. Wait, not the main character. Nah, Cartman's the main character. Cartman. Sorry, that's what I'm saying. Cartman. You're People call Cartman. me Cartman. Like I've been called Eric Cartman. Like, do you act five like times Eric in the last? Cartman? Like, no. You sure? What What leads you to believe that I act like Eric Cartman? I don't know. I'm just trying to hear all the facts, man. Cartman is in the eye of the beholder. Wouldn't that make me Cartman if you're the beholder? If I behold you as Cartman. Do you behold me as Cartman? 
I'm trying to figure that out, Bryce. I'm just wanting to hear the facts. <laughs> the facts. What, are... what have your friends told you makes you similar to Eric Cartman? That you can say on the air. Dude, there's no there's no logic behind this. I don't it's... believe that, man. I think there's probably something. Tell me you what know, their argument is. Give their me the argument is that I am not afraid to speak my mind. I'm an intelligent and self-respecting individual. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> anyway. I don't know. I think we all got a little Cartman in us, and maybe that's a part that we have to silence sometimes. Or let it fly, baby. Well, uh, I was talking to I was talking to Mr. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Mr. Thomas knew about the Scott Tannerman episode, like where like, like Eric Cartman feeds Scott. T- Do you know that one? Yeah, like Eric Cartman. Like that's like probably the worst act Cartman has on record. Like fed this guy's parents to him as chili, mm-hmm. and like we referenced that. And Mr. Thomas knew about that episode. <laughs> Uh, and that was that was interesting, and I was very pleased actually. Yeah, it's all it's always fun when teachers can actually relate mm-hmm. to. Uh, I mean, I bet that probably came out when he was in like college. South Park's old. It's kind of like the the Simpsons, right? Got, like yeah. a long running. You know, so my animation. my parents freshman year, I think it was probably like ninety eight, in at like at Duke. My dad's roommate, Justin, introduced him to, like, the... There was, like, the short before South Park was a show mm. called Santa vs. Jesus, and that was, like, the original kind of pilot for it. It's just, like, this little, like, oh, Santa fucking Jesus, this is funny. Because in the 90s, it wasn't, you know, too developed. Mm. And that, like, turned into South Park. So they were, like, they were, like, actually, like, day one fans. Like, back when it was, like, just, like, the clip on online before it was a show. But it's kind of fuck Like, it's kind of crazy. I'm hoping to experience like similar stuff at Duke and Chimps to just like meeting weird people who like make a lot of money later in life. Cause this guy is now like he runs a plumbing empire in like Miami, Florida. And just insane amount of money. This guy is like dozens of millions of dollars just from doing like plumbing on high rise buildings. Like he does like mm-hmm. the crazy stuff and he's like this mogul. And it's just like the fact that like, hey, this is the guy that I learned about South Park from and now he's like a fucking good like gajillionaire down in Florida. For plumbing. For plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's... I think it's the kind of thing where he, like, inherited the business from his father, so he's, like, kind of set up. But, like, he definitely expanded it. Like, he made mm-hmm. it from, like, a like three plumbing stores to something, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. So, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Expert uh, plumber. Expert plumber. Mario yeah. Brothers, yeah. Mario Brothers. Um, well, while we get close to wrapping up here, um, you know... It's hard to think, but you and my brother and the other seniors, uh, you have two days left of this, this four-year journey. We've been thinking. It really hit Monday because it's like, oh, this is the last Monday we're ever going to have to do. This, yeah. is the, this is the start of our last week. And yesterday, I didn't feel a shit. Today, I'm just kind of bumming around because we had the picnic and everything. Tomorrow, I can kind of tell. You know, you get like those little like precursors to being emotional. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I can tell this is going to impact me. Next two days, they're going to impact me. Yeah, but I I can't I gotta get my head in the game because guess what man 8 a.m. tomorrow Mr. Erickson math test on like double oh, and tr- double and triple integrals multivariable calculus so kill me <laughs> uh, wait you had tests on like the last week of school we is this last test of our final unit but hey no exam which is awesome like, yeah, I mean because it's not an AP class yeah. but he could he could you know go back and like say hey you guys are gonna have an exam so how how nice that he didn't. Yeah. Um, well, while we're here, there's a unique opportunity, right? Is there yeah. opportunity to reflect on the past four years and have it be out there in the public record for you to look back on and other people? So with that in mind, is there anything that you want to shed light on in the past four years? Mm. People you've met, uh, shout outs to people who've helped you. Oh, uh, all right. Shout outs. In terms of teachers, I got my big dogs. Mary Beth Immediata, obviously. Mr. Thomas, Miss Olney, my day ones. Um, Mr. Erickson. Love that guy. He's really interesting. He's like smarter than I'm ever going to be. Uh, hot take, Mr. Laskowski. Mm. He's got some ideas. I'm, I'm trying to engage in that discussion next year. Yeah, man. I think you'll enjoy it if you actually you know dive in, embrace the content. Yeah, because at well, the that, end of the year, you kind of are forced to learn American history, so you can choose. Well, I, I, do I want to. I love it? history, so I feel like I, I think you, you'll do just that. fine. Yeah, but in terms of you know just kind of more general closing arguments, 
I don't know. I think it's been a good run, I'd like to say. People shit on Ravenscroft, and I get that. There's a lot of weird stuff with the administration. But for the most part, teachers care about you. They're trying to look out for you. The friends you make are nice. So I would say, if you know, I had to sum it up into advice, I'd say live well and live broadly. Mm-hmm. You know, you are alive and living now, and you, you know, that's the envy of the dead people, man. Yeah. Take every breath, baby. Take every breath. Like and I mean, you, you know, you did your four years of time, now you're moving on. We got some exciting stuff ahead, man. I'm yeah. going to dive into the political policy stuff, dive into the, like, higher level Latin and Greek. Dive into trying to being learn, a college human. Trying to learn about the world, trying to sleep in a little bit more. I am not the best at that. Mm-hmm. I think my average is probably like five, just because I, I, I like waking up early and I like going to bed late. And that's a bad combination. That just means, like, less sleep. Overall, <laughs> you're telling me, bro. I'm, I'm the one living with it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Uh, any last thoughts? No, it's been again. you know lovely to be here. I'd love to come back again, maybe once I yeah, get my fingers sure. in the college once, bowl. Uh, once you get your fingers in the college bowl, um, mm-hmm. definitely a couple months into your first experience at Duke, it's gonna be pretty interesting to see uh, what college craziness you get up to. Oh hell yeah! I've heard these these things called darties, where it's like daytime parties, just like two a like two p.m. on a Saturday. That's gonna be that fucking, sounds very responsible. That's gonna be bad for me. <laughs> so we're gonna please s- uh, get into some trouble and live life, man. Fuck That's yeah, it. man. Fuck yeah. All right, well, peace out, people. Thank you for listening. Thank you.